Hey everyone, welcome to Schoolhouse, where we believe every parent has what it takes to help their child learn. We're here to give you practical tips and encouragement so you can be a confident learning coach. This is the space where school and house meet. I'm your co-host, Mary Stackhouse, and I'm joined by our host, Dr. Erica Carr, and today we're discussing why and how to coach your kids to identify emotions. So Erica, what does this have to do with coaching the learning? Okay, great question. So in episode two, we explained the emotional side of learning. Uh, We need our children to process emotions well so they don't get held down in any negative or unhealthy space. So when that happens, they aren't going to make progress with learning. In this episode, we've actually invited a guest to tell us how she put this idea of helping kids identify their emotions into practice. And this sounds like something that'll be helpful to take throughout life. So... Yes. All right. Well, tell us more about our guest. Okay. So our guest today is our colleague, Dr. Gail Juno-Butler. Gail is a leader coach on our student education team. She works with leaders in school systems and other organizations all over the country. She has a background in higher education, and she also has two children who light up her life. Gail, welcome to the schoolhouse. I appreciate the opportunity. Good morning to you. All right, Gail. So you and I have actually talked and connected about child emotions, um, your own children's uh, experiences with identifying emotions and just the way that you go about teaching that on many occasions. So, um, you know, that's really why we decided you are the best person to talk to us about this today. Um, So to get us started and to kick it off, why are emotions such a big deal when it comes to learning? Yeah, I think that if you go back to the concept of the blank slate, learning at the front end of life is a heavy lift. So just as anything that's new and different and has many details associated with and many ways of stretching an individual as learning grows and expands, then there are a most emotions associated with moving from a place where you feel comfortable to a place where you have to evolve and move through discomfort in order to grow. Children can't explain that process with words. They don't explain it. They experience it and they live it. So helping them to identify their emotions as an integrated part of learning is something that we can do and should work on doing as parents or caretakers. Yeah, I love what you just said, um, that they can't, they just can't, right? And I I was about to say, I don't know if most adults can either. So yeah, so this is um, just your explanation of the why, so powerful there and connecting it to, you know, we can, we can help them to do that by just integrating it as a regular part of the learning process. And um, I just, I, I love that idea. Um, so, and you really just hit on this too, but anything else you want to add in terms of like, why, why should parents be the ones to coach their children to identify emotions? Yeah, we understand our children. I think about this morning and I am the parent in our family who assist with morning routines. I understand what my son's triggers are, and I understand what my daughter's triggers are. And triggers are most associated with emotions. Mm. And emotions are at the table 
when learning is happening. So why the parent in the role of translating emotions? Because who better to understand the emotions of our children than those of us who are parenting them? So we're connected at the heartstrings with what they're doing, how they're feeling, and how that expects their experiences in life particularly in this conversation, as it influences a day-to-day experience with learning. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're more intimately involved in that process now with many of us parents and caretakers at least providing oversight of learning in a home environment in which there are many more emotions at play than maybe we were even aware of before yeah. in a classroom setting where those are those are regulated more by an outsider, a teacher, a community, a peer group of support. Yeah, I think you're so you're hitting it right on. And you know, really why we needed to do this episode because we are hearing a lot about um, this new involvement of or not involvement. We are hearing a lot about how parents are recognizing different emotions, different reactions, um, because they're around in the learning process more so than they've ever been before. And obviously that's not for every family because there are some schools that are, you know, operating as almost as normal, uh, whatever that means these days, but, uh, definitely, you know, they're going, the kids are going into the building, but for a large majority of people, we are still, we still have parents who are at home doing the oversight. So that awareness because of the proximity. It is proximity that's building understanding. Yeah. So the, pro, you know, the proximity of, of parents now to that learning process is, um, I think, what is almost causing this to be on the radar a little bit more. And so I just appreciate you making that connection. So let's talk about your own process. So clearly this is something that's important in your house. Um, you have, you just said, you know, you've got the morning routine experience of the emotions and managing through those, uh, Mm. largely as your responsibility. And I'm sure there are many other ways in which you do that. But when you started to teach and coach the identification of emotions with your children, what did you do? How did that look? Yeah, we initially started that process, I will say, accidentally. So we wanted to set up a home environment that at least looked like and felt like the school environment. So we purchased a desk. We purchased a desk lamp. We purchased pencils and school supplies. But we also realized, oh, it might be useful to have posters on the wall as reference point, particularly for my son, who's at fourth grade, which is a critical year in his experience after a third grade year that ended on a rocky note with the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. So that led to the purchase of some resource materials. And as we were finding those, we saw an emotion chart and had already recognized Erica that learning at home was probably going to lead to a certain set of emotions for our son, of isolation from other students, of difficulty concentrating when at home, 
as well as fatigue of sitting in one place for a long time. Yeah. So that led to the idea that maybe identifying with how he was feeling in a visual way could add some layer that might be valuable in his day. And it has. If nothing else, it has added the opportunity for him to stand up when frustrated or angry or upset and move and try to name what he's feeling in a sidebar conversation with us as parents or caretakers and focus that moment as a reset button to name what he's feeling and then return to the task at hand that's happening in the traditional classroom setting via video. And have you seen that working, that that um, process of getting up, naming it, and then like yes. you said, that serves as a reset and he goes like he's able to then continue? Has that? Yes, I would say that it works very well. Wow. And I would say it's a combination of two things that work well. It's getting up, moving away from the situation and then identifying with an emotion that he can name, claim, feel okay about because he can now know the way that he's feeling. He's received attention and affirmation from us Mm. for both. Yeah. And a very quick reset is often all a child needs in order to return refreshed. They're not like adults. Their resiliency is a lot shorter and a lot more simple in often is the case. Yeah. And oftentimes. Okay. So I'm going to restate for our listeners exactly what you just described, because I think it was so critical for anybody who's wanting to put this practice in, in place in their home. So you said you got obviously an emotion chart and we'll talk about that in a minute, but that is hanging in a prominent place in the learning space. When your child has a moment, an emotional moment, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to use your son. Cause that's the example here. He is, he gets up, he goes to the poster, he identifies the emotion, states the emotion mm-hmm. you as the parent are going to affirm that. So I'm sure that there are some keywords you use there. So we might talk about that too. You're going to affirm that. And then he's able to go back to the learning space. I'm sure after a few moments, not necessarily right away Mm -hmm. and get started and move forward. Yes. That is gold. Okay. So let, okay. Let's talk about the two things. So let's talk first about what do you, what does it mean when you affirm the identification of the emotion. What does that look like and sound like for any parent who needs to do that step or feels like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. For us, it's become a process and it was not immediately. We had to learn through this chart and determine that it was going to serve as a valuable tool in our home for our son. So that was the first step. Now it's become formalized with us and with our tutor who assists us on a daily basis because both parents are working full time in that our son knows if I am feeling overwhelmed, anxious, 
upset in this moment of learning. And my teacher is focusing on other students and it's difficult to accomplish the one-on-one assistance that might be more possible in a face-to-face classroom. He now knows, turn your video off for a moment, express what you need, which is a moment away from that experience in learning. And then we ask him to take a look at the chart Mm -hmm. and try to give us a best guess of which face and expression is the one most like he's feeling. That's a pretty simple process. It's not like a counseling session. Mm -hmm. He identifies one, we laugh or we name it, or he makes a statement or two. And then generally it ends with something along the lines of, why don't you do a quick run around the island in the kitchen? Or can I have a hug? Mm. And are you ready to get back? And it's nearly always yes. It's that easy. Yeah. Man, that is great. That is so great. Um, So in everything you just described, it is easy. Like it really is. And I think that, you know, sometimes we want to make these moments more difficult than they need to be. And I just love that you've figured out a system that is making your life easier. I'm sure um, mm-hmm. making your child's life easier and just making it possible to get through the day, um, to do the tasks that need to be accomplished for school. But more importantly, have you thought about the benefit of this long-term? So when your son is 25 years old, have you thought about like what knowing how to identify his emotions is going to do for him later on? Hmm. That's interesting. And I appreciate the pay it forward affirmation. So can I name that value in the long run? I hadn't thought about it, but I would think that naming an emotion gives us an ability to describe it better. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. And it also made me think your question about my four-year-old, Erica. So she is at a different level of learning, but she wants in on this naming of expressions too. Mm-hmm. So for example, she wanted to do the same thing that her brother had done, not related to a frustrating moment in the classroom, by the way, she just wanted to be a part of it all. So she picked out an expression And I asked her, what do you think that expression means? What does it mean to you, Meridian? And she's like, oh, I think that that person got a cactus needle in their thumb and it's hurting. So does that mean anything that's relevant to her learning experience in the here and now? No, but it's serving as a framework for beginning to make sense of emotions and for her to also read what it means in someone else's expression. And I see that as valuable too. Oh yeah. So it's two way. Yeah. And that's why I asked the question about the future. Cause I just, as you're painting this picture, Gail, I think about, you know, how amazing that, okay. So yeah, even at four years old to be able to associate that maybe that person's grumpy because something bad happened in their life and how, that the, the, the level of empathy that your children yes. will have 
I just, it's like, this is a, a mic drop moment, you know, like, wow, because not everybody has that. And I think about even people that I know and, you know, our age and um, who talk about, well, we never, we never talked about emotions in my house growing up. And, and then you look at the struggle with expressing emotion yeah. and all that that creates. And it's so I just, I know this is supposed to be about learning obviously, and how it clearly supports learning, but I'm also now, you know, now as you're describing this, I'm like, man, this is, this is about life. This is so huge. I have goosebumps from your saying that Erica, because I think about coaching with school districts and colleges and universities and organizations otherwise. And one thing that we talk about often is that regardless of what is objectively real, perception is real. So identifying emotions in yourself, being able to read emotions and others that's part of that perception is real and placing people first yeah so whether you're talking about life or in this case learning specifically emotions feelings and perception of how one is performing in a learning environment it's real and when it's addressed it can only lead to a more integrated experience that leads to better outcomes for the individual sitting in the chair, soaking up something new and different. Totally. So I love that you just brought us right back to, like I said, the whole point of this was to connect it to how it supports learning. And you just did that really beautifully um, that, you know, and even just your description of how your son uses it as a reset is so important because you know, we really can't afford, especially the way things are going right now in terms of the, you know, normal school being disrupted, which, you know, it looks different for so many people, but we can't, we don't have time to lose. We don't have learning time to lose. So if you're dealing with a situation where emotions have gotten the best of you and your child, um, a simple process and tool like an emotions chart, or just this concept of identifying emotions, man, you just described it. It can be a few minutes versus potentially taking an hour. So yeah, I think just for people listening, you know, in terms of how does this support learning? I just, I hope that you're hearing all of this, but you know, it's, it, it also supports that maximizing time um, that we have for learning as well. The emotions chart. So I do want to break this down um, for anybody who's maybe thinking, well, I don't, I don't have, maybe I don't have the money to buy an emotions chart. You know, I don't know how much they cost. I'm actually remembering the days of buying posters for the classroom, probably only a few dollars, but what if you really don't have that? Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think? I mean, do you have to go out and buy an emotions chart or is there another way that you think we could Mm -hmm. put this together? I wish at this moment only that this was a video conversation because I would show you something that's on my son's wall as I'm sitting in his room for this interview in which on a daily basis, before we had the emotions chart from the learning store in which he wrote Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at the top of a loose leaf sheet of paper and drew a face to describe 
how he felt about the day at the end of each day. So from that, I would say go with what works. Yeah. Um, engage by beginning with your child's imagination and how you might want to approach feelings as it relates to learning at that point in time. It was a conversation of, I can't wait till Friday's mom. So we were measuring how his emotions changed through the week of learning and then trying to build in reward and reinforcement. That was our goal at the time. So back to your question, it's not the chart. Yeah. It's the attention to emotion. It's naming it and then hitting reset and realizing that it's very simple and generally very short in terms of time required to pay attention to emotions so that they're healthy and in a good place for learning to continue to happen. And I love it. It's not about the chart. And you're so right. It's not about the chart. It's about, mm-hmm. it's about the process and just the idea that this is something that can be coached, should be coached, because it is going to set them up for success in the classroom. And we just said, even later on in life, the benefits, oh my goodness. Um, All right. Any other tips or tricks that you want to share with parents when it comes to helping their child identify emotions? So no, but I did want to just mention it's, it's interesting as it relates to this online way of teaching and learning that many of us are living now. And as it relates to emotions and that two-way experience of how am I feeling in this moment of learning and how are others feeling and responding, the, the absence of peers has been extremely difficult for my children. So as that relates to continuing to name emotions and recognizing how others are feeling and how my children are feeling, I think there's some value for continuing to reinforce that even though a screen separates us, Mm -hmm. there are still feelings behind the screen that that are coming together to make a culture of teaching and learning feel the way that it does in a particular moment. So not sure if that's connected at all, but the video does reduce that ability to name, feel, experience in ways that are so easy to understand. And that's important too. You're so right. It's this, you know, dimension, right? We're missing the three dimension. Right. Um, Three dimension. That's the word. Yeah. Connection to people. So I wonder if there would be value in doing something like maybe once a week, not every day, I don't think, but, and I think also maybe depending on the level of your child, but you know, what if it is a, Hey, today choose one of your classmates and see if you can identify their emotion just because of what you can see on the screen. Um, Keep it alive and well. Yes. Yeah. So just to, just to sort of get at what you're saying that um, we're missing that connection, but can we get creative about trying to make, to build it? Um, I love that. I love that. Okay. Well, Gail, this has been 
was fun. Unbe- an unbelievable um, insight. And yeah. I just really appreciate you sharing your actual process and what you've seen in your children um, by following that process of identifying emotions and yeah. just the value and benefit you've you've noticed from it. And I just, I know it's going to inspire some people, especially for all the reasons that we've mentioned, you know, the connection, the learning, um, the empathy, all of it. Just so glad you were here to, to be with us on this at the schoolhouse. Thank Thank you. you so much, Gail. Such a great discussion. Thank you so much, Erica and Gail. All right, guys, well, please share this episode with a parent friend. And also just want to mention, we want to invite you to become a member of our brand new Parent is Learning Coach website. In addition to our Schoolhouse podcast, members have access to learning coach guides, skill sessions, and weekly tips. So please check us out at studereducation.com slash parent dash as dash learning dash coach. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us next time at the Schoolhouse.